Tonight, we're, we're still looking at this series in 1 John that we've been looking through. It's John wrote this letter to us so that we could understand what authentic faith looks like and what it looks like when we truly believe in Christ to the point where, like, this is salvation right here. We're truly experiencing real. And so as we're reading through the letter, we're up to this point. We're in Second, 1 John tonight, chapter 2, if you guys want to look there, verses 15 to 17. And in this part, there's this deal where John is looking at us and he's talking to us about like this choice that we have to make. And so I want to as at Matrix. Have you guys ever seen the Matrix movie? Some of you guys are like, yes, Matrix is awesome. Um, is, watch the clean version, like the edited version, but it's a good movie. It makes you think. And uh, that scene right there is awesome for me when I think about choices because he's sitting there and if you know anything about the movie The Matrix, it's this guy like, it's all these like humans that are into like the internet and they don't know it and they're like living a life totally like in this little cocoon thing and they're not really moving it's all in their brain they're like plugged into a computer it's like it's really cool so anyway (laughs) they like i won't spoil i already spoiled it i ruined the whole movie so you should have seen it by now it was like in the 90s i think anyway so (laughs) it comes to this point where sitting that guy his name's morpheus he's like this guy who goes around and frees them from like the computer and wakes brings in these two pills. One is this red pill, and what is this blue pill, and it's like, you could choose, man. We'll just put you back to sleep, and you'll keep living blissfully ignorant that you're actually just in a computer. Like, we don't have to do anything about this. You can just keep being happy, thinking life's cool, and living a lie, and your brain won't know the difference, and you'll be good. Or you take this pill, and then you're going to wake up to something you've never expected to see. I'm going to wake up, and you're going to see where you really are. You're going to see something that might blow your mind. And so tonight, as John's at this point in his letter, I feel like in my crazy brain, like it's one of those moments where we're like sitting on those chair and like Jesus is like sitting in the other chair for us and he's holding these two choices and he's like, listen, you got to choose. The scary yet like sad part about that is how real that actually is. That it's really not that far from the truth for us. That so many of us, myself included, for so many years of my life, I lived a life that I thought the things that I see around me, I thought that was real. I thought the life that I was living was real. I thought the friends that I had, all these things that I was doing, the the things I was chasing after, my goals, like all this stuff, the fun, I thought that was real. And then all of a sudden I encounter this guy named Jesus who comes along and says, wait a minute, let me open your eyes to something that's actually real. Could it be that some of us tonight are living a life where we think everything in it is totally like what life is about, but we've never actually had our eyes opened up to something bigger, to something more real, to something more true than what we thought was. And so tonight, John's going to kind of throw that at us as he's testing us through this thing, right? He says, if you really have the saving faith, what will you do? You'll have this, you'll be compelled to love your God, to be like, God, here, take my whole life. I trust you. And so my trust determines what I'm going to do. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my whole self. Have it, God. And then he also says, hey, if you have authentic faith, what it will do is that love that he gives you, it'll change you inside. Now you look around at the people around you and you're like, man, I love you because God loves you. And so we take that same love and we start to love people. And so now John brings us to this part. And he says, now let's check this out because let's see what you're believing in. And so here it's verse uh, chapter, 
Chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever, abide, whoever does the will of God abides forever. So here he comes, John, and he's like, listen, there, here's the two choices. Here's the red pill and the blue pill. The red pill says, keep living this lie. Keep living a life that tells you that, that sin and pleasure and all these things you're chasing after, that that's it. That's real life. That's real success. Those are goals in life. And you can just accept that and follow the world. Or you could take this pill over here and open your eyes and see that Jesus offers you reality, something that actually is real. You see, the things of the world are fading, he says. They're all breaking up. You just look around you right now. Think about the people that you know that are older, that are passing away, people that are in hospitals, the things that are going on around our world. You can easily look around and see things going from order to chaos. See things breaking. See things getting old. See things fading away because that's our universe. It's headed to destruction. But for some reason, those are the very things that a lot of us are reaching out to grab. And we're like, I want to hold on to this because it's fun. I want to hold on to this because it feels good. I want to grab this because it's shiny and I want it in my life and I want to have it. And really, if we actually look at what's happening there, we see all those things are just kind of like fading away. And Jesus comes and he says, here, I'm going to offer you something better, something that doesn't fade, something that doesn't break. Something that won't just disappear in your hand the second you try to grab it. I'm going to offer you eternal life with the God who loves you and created you, who designed you to be with him forever. I'm offering you all of that. And you just give up the trash that's breaking in front of you and rotting. It seems like it would be an easy choice. But so much of the world misses it. So many of us miss it. And we keep chasing brokenness. We keep chasing the things that are rotting in front of us. Now, uh, let's just start in verse 15. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so the way I think about this here is like, he's giving us this really cool like equation. He's saying that we can tell what's inside something by what it does, right? And so it makes me think of this balloon right here. So he jumped, I loved it. Yes, I'll get you. If you talk, bam, front row, watch it, okay? And so this balloon right here, if I fill it, I've been fasting. I think I'm going to pass out. Hold on. Don't do that when you haven't eaten in a couple days. So this, do you think if I tied this off, what is this thing going to do? Up or down? If you think it's up, go hoot, hoot. Come on, just humor, hoot, hoot. Nobody? How about down? Give me a hoot, hoot. Okay, so, yeah, so you guys are pretty smart. There were like two hoots for up. You got to learn physics and science and chemistry and all that fun stuff because it's full of what? Air, right? Stinky breath. <laughs> it's mine. So, right, it's full of air and air isn't going to float. But what if I filled this with helium? What would happen? Hoot, hoot, right? It's going up. It's going up. And so how do we know the difference? If I bring this out here and you know, I don't tell you what I put in it and I let it go and it starts to go up, what are you going to tell me is inside of this thing? You'd be like, that's helium in there, right? But you know that. 
You know what it's filled with because you saw what it did, right? You know what's inside of this because you saw how it reacted to what went in it. We put helium in it, it floats. You get filled with the love of God, you respond to that. You react to that. Something happens in you. And so what John's saying is that as the love of God is in you, you're not going to love the world. That's the reaction. You rise up from the world because the love of God is in you. But there's so many Christians that are walking around telling you, oh no, like you can live in the world and still love Jesus. It's totally cool. You can do both. Sin and Jesus go together. John's here to tell you no. When you're full of the love of God, you change. Something happens in you. You rise up out of sin and you begin to say, look, I don't want the world. I don't want this stuff. I want Jesus because that's the love that's in me. It's Jesus' love that changes me. John really wants us to understand that this isn't some empty religion that you're being a part of. You're not just coming here to go through some habits or some routines to make us feel more holy. You're coming here to enter a real relationship with the one who created you, the one who breathed breath into your lungs, who is here today among us, right now, listening to us, enjoying us. When he heard you guys singing, I wonder if there was a smile on his face. When he hears us sitting here talking about his word, I wonder if it fills him with joy because he's here. And he's saying to us tonight, if I'm in you, if my love is in you, let it change you. Let it show up. Your behavior changes. Your life changes. The things you desire change. And none of those things save you. We've looked at that for weeks, right? But there is a change that takes place when the love of God fills you. John wants you to know it doesn't mix with sin. The more in love you fall with God, the more out of love you fall with the world and with the things of the world. You know, I was, any of you guys ever scuba dive? Any scuba divers out there? It's Florida. Don't you people like go in the water? Okay, well, a, two of you, great. I scuba dive and I've done it like since I was just a little chunky kid. I was, they brought me because I was a life preserver. If they were like they were drowning, they just grabbed me and I'd float. So no, but I love to scuba dive. And so I would, my dad was a really good scuba diver and he would, um, he would test me now and then kind of like Navy SEAL training, at least I like to say it was. And so we'd be down like scuba diving, doing stuff, and he would just test me on like safety stuff as we're diving. And one of the things you have to train for is like if you run out of air. You have to know what that feels like. So if you're under the water and something happens with your tank, you run out of air, you don't freak out, and then just like die down there, you know what to do. And so we're down and we're scuba diving, we're going on this awesome reef in Pompano, down South Florida, and we're like looking at this reef, and he like calls me over, and I swim over there, and he's got this that he wants to show me. And uh, he's pulled into this really cool fish. It was like this rainbow looking fish with those huge lips that looked like a clown. It was awesome. I wanted to grab the lips. But, I, um, but anyway, so this fish is under there and he's pointing and I'm just like getting totally into it and just forget about my dad. Totally forget he's even near me. And all of a sudden I'm just breathing away, like just pointing at this thing, like loving it. And I'm like, breathe in and there's nothing. It's just, ever had that feeling? Have you ever like suffocated? Not suffocated felt that feeling like in the pool or something where you couldn't breathe and you're like and you go and you totally expect air to go in your lungs but it's like your lungs do that it's what it feels like in you and you're like it like hurts and I was like and there's another, and I'm like I'm gonna die I'm starting to freak out but I realized like what happened I look over and I see my dad just kind of like looking at me and I saw I had his down can I just switch so this is, <clears throat> is that okay um 
holds my tank down. <laughs> Stand here. Uh, oh, I. Hey. <laughs> this is ZD88.3. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm totally distracting you. Yeah, this is important. Uh, so, like, he turned my tank off, is the moral of the story there. And he tested me to see, like, if I could respond. But the thing I remember from that thing isn't that my dad is like this. Thank you. Isn't that my dad is like this. So many different sounds tonight. Keeping you on the edge of your chair. Um, isn't that my dad is some like mean dude? It's that like that feeling of running out of air. <gasps> like when I couldn't breathe, the thing I needed the most to survive just wasn't there. And, and I translate that through what John's saying when I think about this passage that especially as we're fasting. How many of you guys are fasting? Anybody like not to like brag, but just be like, hey, yeah, I'm there. Okay, so a lot of us are fasting this week. And when you don't have food every day, you start to realize like how much you kind of like you need food. Like you get tired, things happen in your body and you don't have energy because you, you need that food. And it's that idea of like, man, when I don't have air, how much more do I need air? Like I can go a couple days or weeks or maybe a couple months maybe without food, but air, like you can't go very long. And so as I'm thinking through this passage, thinking that that's how I need the love of God in me. When I don't have God's love in me, when I don't have that relationship with my maker in that way, and, and it, it's like, <gasps> I got nothing. I don't have strength. I don't have power. I have literally nothing without being able to breathe in God's love and understand that relationship I have with him. But here's what I do. I try to just push through it. I try to just kind of live this thing in my own strength and in my own power, thinking like, I got this. And I'm so, like, especially this week as I'm fasting, I'm, I'm reminded of my need for God. I'm reminded about how much I depend on him. And John's telling us that this love is essential for us. Just like oxygen, just like food, just like these, these things that keep us alive, the love of God keeps us alive. And literally he does because Hebrews says that Jesus is the maker and sustainer of everything. Meaning right now, Jesus is holding you into existence. If he stopped thinking about you, you disappear. You never existed. Jesus is literally the one that keeps us in existence through his power. Why would we think that we don't need him on a daily basis? Why would we think we don't need the love of God to live a life that he's called us to. And so John reminds us of this powerful, powerful love that sometimes we overlook. But here's what happens to us sometimes is we get numb to it. We've lived in the world so long and like enjoyed the world so long that it comes to a point where we forget what that even looks like. You ever gone to the dentist, right? How many of you guys love the dentist? You're like, I love it, they give me a lollipop. You do not. You do not. <laughs> All right. I don't like the dentist. Don't like the dentist. I go to the dentist this one time. I was in high school. I remember this, this visit specifically to the dentist. I go in high school. I visit and I have to have like, a, what do you call it? A filling. I have to have a filling put in. And so he's going to numb me. And so I'm sitting there on the table and he takes that hideous, horrible needle out that's like this long. You know the one I'm talking about? And it pinches so bad when it touches you. You're like, ah, I hate it, dude. It's terrible. And he's starting to like just poke everywhere. And I'm, I'm like in pain. And he walks off. 
And he leaves me with this really pretty nurse. <laughs> she walks out and I'm like, wow, she's really pretty. And I get impress her. You know, I'm in high school, so I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, you know? And uh, she walks in, like, take care of me for whatever. And they always bring you that stupid cup of water. Like, why? Like, why do you do that? Why do you bring me water right after you numb my face? But I didn't even think about my face. I'm thinking about her. I'm just like, whoa. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm not realizing that my whole face is doing this like blah, blah, blah thing. I'm like, I'm sure I was real attractive right then, right? And so she's walking in and she's bringing me a cup of water. And it's like, you know, I can't even talk. Literally can't talk. And I'm like, And she gives me this cup of water and she's like, go ahead and rinse. And I'm like, rinse what? You haven't done anything yet. And I don't know why you do this because it's a horrible trick. And so I go and I drink this thing. And obviously it's like Niagara Falls. Like, what do you think is going to happen? It just goes all over the front of me. But here's the kicker is that I was so surprised by it, I was like, and, and like all the rest of the water was still in my mouth, went right in her face. It was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't even apologize. I can't even say sorry to her. And I'm like, blah, and I'm spitting more, though I'm just making it worse. It was terrible because I had gone numb and I couldn't feel what was going on. And it actually happened in a way where I didn't notice it happened. Like it caught me by surprise. And and honestly, guys, I could tell you from personal experience in my life that sin creeps in like that. Like I'm going strong with Jesus and then all of a sudden there's this thing that happens where I kind of just slack off a little bit and lose sight of my walk with Christ. And before I know it, like I'm totally numb to the fact that I'm living in the world. All of a sudden I'm totally numb to the fact that I'm loving certain things in the world. Or that I love myself more than I love Jesus. Because I'm looking for things to make me happy instead of remembering who I belong to. So some of us tonight have come to this place and we're just numb. And it snuck up on you. And you're sitting here and you're like, no, I think I'm good. I want to challenge you to pinch yourself spiritually tonight. Don't pinch your neighbor. I said yourself spiritually. And actually ask yourself this question, like, have I become numb to the sin in my life? Have I become this person that loves the world so much and hasn't even recognized it ever happened? So we could be sitting here tonight and we could actually look through our hearts and our minds and find these places that the world owns. I don't know if it could be a group of your friends that you know every time you're with them, they drag you straight into temptation and into sin. A group of people that you need to be like, man, I just have to get around other people that are going to influence me for Christ and give up this lifestyle. For some of you guys, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be pornography, it could be your boyfriend or your girlfriend that you just don't know how to stop. And it's become so common, so normal to you that it snuck up on you when you were numb and you look up and you're in this sin that owns you. You're in the matrix and Jesus is going, here, it's a pill. Like, take this so you can open your eyes to what you've been numb to. You're in love with the world and you never saw it happen. And so John's reminding us of this love of Christ that is the other option. And you know, Paul tells us in Colossians, right? Colossians 3, fix your eyes on things above, not on things of the world. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And then John takes us to this next part in this, this next verse here. He says three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of your eyes, and the pride of life. 
He points these three things out in this next verse. The three things that tempt us. Remember the Garden of Eden? Remember when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they had this natural desire in them because you and I have natural fleshly desires that we need. We need food. We need water. We need oxygen. There are certain things that are normal and healthy and good. But there's also this temptation in our flesh that's caused by sin that causes us to desire sinful things in ourselves. To have this craving within us to say, like, I want that. I want it for me. And then we see things like they saw that, that fruit that represented disobedience to them and they wanted it so bad what they didn't have and they needed it. And then finally we see Satan come along and go, hey, listen, you can be just like God if you eat that. Don't you want to be like God? And we see the pride of life well up in them to say, hmm, I could be like God. All three of those things come down to one thing. Loving yourself most. I want for me. I need that for me. I am just like God. It's this choice. The pills are a choice to love ourselves most or to love God and others. The world, us, or our maker who sent his only son to die for you, to raise to life so you can have life. There's the choice. And Jesus is sitting there with both of those choices in front of us. And he's saying, you need to die to the flesh and, and, and the desires of the eyes and this pride of life. You need to die to the world and raise again with me. You guys know we've talked before about baptism and what that represents. The very picture of baptism that we believe in that says, it's not what saves us. And there's nothing magical about the water. But after you've done that, and some of you guys have been for weeks, you've been raising your hands, and you've been saying, I want Jesus. I want to be saved. What you're saying is, I want to die to this world and choose Christ. And when you're baptized, it's this picture, as you go under the water, it's like Jesus going into the ground, into the grave, dying to the world, right? That's us saying, dying to the world. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, look, living for myself, I'm dying to that. And then as you're pulled up from the water, it's like saying, I have a brand new life now. I'm becoming alive to Jesus. I'm living in the love of my Father. And it's this awesome picture of what already happened in your heart when you accepted Christ. And it's a way for you to express to the people around you, you believe it. You're not going to sit silently. You know, the cool thing is that Jesus actually commands it. He says, the first step I want you to take in following me, after you raise your hand, you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. He says, here's your first step. If you're serious about this, if you believe me, your first step of obedience is be baptized. And I want to encourage some of you guys who over the last couple weeks have been saying, I want to be saved, like be baptized. Follow Jesus in obedience to say that next step is for me to go be baptized and paint this picture for people around me to say, I believe this. Not quietly, not in a way where I'm ashamed of it that I don't want people to know, but I want to boldly say, I believe in Christ. I'm dead to the world and alive to him. And so at the end of the service tonight, I'm going to ask you guys, I want you to be praying about it right now. If that's been you over the last few weeks, or maybe you've been coming to Firehouse for a long time and you've just never done this, I want to ask you tonight at the end of the service that you would step up and have the faith to say, I want to follow Jesus in that next step of baptism. So be praying about that as we finish, finish up the rest of this passage. 
So Jesus comes, or I'm sorry, John comes to this next verse. And he says, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You know, it's interesting, this choice pops up again, right? Like, which one will you choose? Are you going to make a good investment? Like, have you ever tried, had to, like, choose which line to get into at the grocery store or, like, somewhere there's, like, these lines? Like, okay, so when, every time we go to Guatemala, when we come back, we have to stand in the customs lines. And for some reason, this beautiful face always gets, like, triggered in the computer, and it's like, no, you got to go to the desks. And everybody else, like, flies through these fast lines. I don't know, it's because they want to talk to me, of course. And so I get stuck in the line the lines, uh, and I have to choose, like, which one am I going to jump in? And I'm, I'm watching our team just, beep, beep, just fly by me, and I'm sitting there holding everybody up, and I got to come and make a choice. And usually I'm looking at, like, there'd be, like, one person in this line, seven people in this line. What's the choice you would make, right? Like, the longer line, which has one person in it, but you're going to stand there for, like, five hours. Like, that's always me. I go to the grocery store, and I see, like, this one little old lady has, like, a milk and eggs, and that's all she has. And then there's, like, 20 people over here with, like, full carts. Like, behind the old lady, of course. Nope. That little old lady is going to look for every penny in her purse, right? She's going to be pulling out all her little stamps and all coupons and all stuff. You're going to be there for four hours. That's an important decision in life. But for some reason, I always seem to, like, make the wrong one. I picked the wrong line. You guys have had experiences in your life where you've had to kind of, like, you've had to make a choice. Like, what's going to be the better payoff here? Where is what I invest right now going to actually pay off in the long run? And that's exactly what John wants you to hear tonight. He's not talking about standing in a line. He's talking about how you're investing your life. Where will you place you? Literally, your eternity. Not just the next 60 years, but where are you going to invest your eternity? In yourself, in things that he says are fleeting, in a universe that's breaking and crushing around us, that one day will end as Jesus comes back and says, I'm doing away with it all. I promise you I'm coming back to end this universe. But if you believe in me, he says, there's something eternal waiting for you. What would you put your investment in? What are you trusting your eternity in? The rest of your life. Ever think of it that way? Your eternal life. Where will it be? And so John says, invest it wisely. Because right now, a lot of people live trying to grasp at this brokenness of the world that's not going to last. Right now, it feels cool. Like, if I'm popular at school, that's going to make me feel so good inside. Even if I have to be mean to people to become popular or bully people or lie to people or wear certain things to make people really like me or act a certain way. Man, I, I could list so many ways I've run off in different directions in my life trying to find that thing that will make me feel content. And everyone breaks. I was going to bring you guys cotton candy tonight, all of you, so you could understand this, this concept the way my brain does. But we're fasting, so I couldn't bring you food, so sorry. But uh, <laughs> I know. Maybe another night. I'll, I'll do it next week. Um, but have you ever eaten cotton candy? Like everybody, right? And so you put it in your mouth. I always take the biggest hunk I can, and I try to, like, eat it. 
But before I can even chew, that stuff's gone. It like hits your tongue and it's like, it's like, where did it go? <laughs> it does not turn into Jolly Ranchers in my mouth. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> it feels like it disappears. You like stick it in this huge chunk in your mouth and it's like, it's just gone. And I feel like there's so many things in life that I'm reaching for that do that. So many things that I could share with you that, that I've done and been like, man, this will do it. And the second it hit my, the tongue of my life, like it, it just disappeared. It's like, man, where'd that go? I thought that was going to be the thing that would make me feel full and joyful and content. And it just didn't work. It was gone before I knew it. And so let me get somebody up here real quick. Uh, I need a volunteer. <laughs> go ahead. You had your hand up first. Get up here. No. Oh, crap. I saw a hand right back there somewhere. Whoever, I can barely see anybody. Sure, yeah, one of you, just come up here. Okay, so here's an illustration because um, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes that when we chase things of the world, it's like just chasing after the wind is what he says. We're just chasing the wind. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to try to chase the wind tonight. And chase this, like this represents the broken universe out here that like things that we're trying to grab onto that are of the world. Okay, I'm going to try to blow it up again if I don't pass out. Catch my head if I fall, okay? Just like, just reach, okay. Yeah. All right, are you like super fast? You're like Spider-Man and I don't know it and you're going to ruin my illustration. Okay, ready? One, two, three. You couldn't do it. So you, good try though, it was a good try. I don't have any candy for you because you're fasting. You're fasting. Okay, see how hard that was? And that was really slow because I couldn't get much air in there. Uh, but the idea of like trying to reach after that wind, and that was a balloon, but like actually try to catch the wind, it doesn't happen. It goes right through your fingers. That's this concept that John's saying. Like when you chase the world, it's fading. It's not going to last you. So here's what here, I want to ask you to do one thing. As I close, let me just ask you one thing. Will you think through right now the things that you're trying to hold on to from the world? Maybe ask God and say, Lord, like I may have become numb and I don't know I'm doing it. I need you to show me now the world that's in me and and, and trying to grasp these things that are not going to last. Will you just picture that in your head for a minute? Say, what areas am I reaching after myself and loving me more than God? And I want to offer you a solution to those things. Because John says that if you abide, that means stay in and live in. It doesn't mean you don't ever mess up. It means that you continue in loving him more than anything else. The love of God, that there's eternal benefits to that. You're going to receive something that's never going to pass away, that's never going to break. It's not going to pass through your fingers when you try to grab it. He's going to reach around you with both arms and take you and say, you are mine for eternity. And it's a promise from the God of the universe who doesn't break his promises. Do some of you guys have some sins tonight that you need to just do some business with God with? I say, man, my computer is just wrecking me. My phone, the things I look on my phone, it's wrecking me. The things that I say about people around me, my tongue, man, it's just out of control. My thought life. If people could see in my head, man, they would be disgusted by the things I think about. 
And it's not like I'm tripping and falling and then running after Jesus. It's like I'm just camping out here and I'm enjoying it and I don't want to move. Like, I love this sin. If some of you guys have those things in your heart tonight, I want to ask you just a minute as we bow our heads in a second. I ask you to give it to God. I want you to say, Lord, I'm taking this pill. I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm done with the world. I'm done with loving myself most. I want to love Jesus. I want to be filled with that love of God that causes a difference in me, causes me to rise up because I can see what's in me. It's the love of God, not love of myself, not love of the world. I want to be different. And I want to challenge you guys. Everything we're talking about is about this thing that we we keep saying is the mission of Jesus. It's the thing Jesus is calling us to as a body, as a group of people that love each other and him. To say, come together and support each other. Line up together. Line up with this church here to say, we're about the mission of Jesus. We want to declare with our mouths that Jesus is best. We want to demonstrate that in our actions. Wherever we live, work, learn, play, anywhere we go, we want our lives to be about the gospel of Jesus. And you guys keep hearing us talk about this first initiative thing, this big word, these big names. But all it means is that we're coming together and we're getting serious, which is why we're fasting this week and praying. Trying to tell God, you mean more to me than food. I need you more than oxygen. God, we need you most and we're being serious about it. We're stepping up and saying we're coming together and following you. Justin told you earlier for the next four weeks on Sunday nights, we're coming together to celebrate that and to study that and to say something, to make a big statement that we are joining together to follow behind Jesus and his mission. I want to encourage you guys, if you come tonight, also come on Sunday nights for the next couple weeks. Come check this thing out and hear about what we're doing. Talk to people who are saying, I'm lining up behind Jesus and I'm getting serious about it. Let it put courage in your heart to do the same thing. All right, be bow your heads for a moment. You got a choice to make tonight. John talked about a choice and we're gonna face that choice together as we sit here for the next couple minutes. I've asked you to pray about a few things during this message. Some of you guys, I've asked you to pray about baptism. You've been receiving Jesus as your savior and praying with us and saying, I want to follow Christ. And tonight I'm asking you to say, I want to take that next step of obedience and be baptized. And so hopefully you've been talking to God about that. And we've got some decision counselors that are standing around, some leaders from Firehouse that are standing up against the walls. If you're not there, can you guys go there? What I want to ask you to do, if you're this person saying, I need to be baptized Um, We're not going to do it tonight, but we want to talk to you about baptism and how to take that next step. I want to ask you to stand up and walk out to one of those leaders and just tell them they're going to talk to me about baptism. All right, so if that's you tonight, will you get up and do that right now? Just stand up and walk to the wall and say, like, I need to be baptized. I need to follow Jesus in that next step of obedience. And then if you're here and you're like, listen, uh, the stuff you're talking about tonight is lining up behind Jesus. The Holy Spirit just kicked me in the teeth. 
I can see the things in my life that are of the world. I need Jesus to free me of these things. And tonight, like, I just need to pray with someone or have at least have someone pray for me that I would love Jesus more than the world and these sins that are kicking my butt right now. If that's you and just want prayer, I want to pray for you guys. These leaders want to pray for you. We just slide your hand up and say, hey, pray for me. I want to love Jesus more than I love the world, more than I love myself. Just pray for me. Just right where you're at, will you just raise your hand so we can see that and pray for you? Pray that I love Christ most. Can you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I see your hands. Anybody else? Pray for me. I need that. I need to live for Christ more than myself, more than the world. You guys can put your hands down. Thank you. And finally, I want to talk to those of you who are here tonight. You're like, I don't know Jesus. I've never been forgiven by him. I've never received his salvation that you're talking about. And I want that. I need to be forgiven. I know that tonight I need to be saved. If that's you tonight, I'd like to pray for you too. If you would slip your hand up and just as a way to say, Rob, will you pray for me? Because I want to know Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Can you slide your hand up for me so we can see that and pray for you? Father, it is so good to be in your presence, Lord. To hear the truth of your word. God, to hear your voice through this. Talking to us about how much you love us. God, it's undeserved and we recognize that tonight. Lord, I pray for these hands that went up saying, God, I want to live for Jesus. I want to take that next step. Will you put your love in them? Will you fill them up with the power that is displayed in their life and the way they live and the choices they make and the words they say and the way they love others? God, we're asking for a strength that can only come from you. Cause us to live differently. Cause us to glorify you in the way we live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.